Good morning, and thank you for tuning in and listening to this week's message of hope on KBUR News Radio, 99.3 FM and 14.90 AM from First Christian Church of Burlington, Iowa. This morning, we start in the midst of worship with our children's moment with Pastor Justin sitting with the children of the church. We now invite the young kids of the church to come on down forward and meet Pastor Justin at the front steps today. And maybe even those that are kids at heart to come on down forward as well. All right, good morning, you four. How are you doing this morning? All right. Well, I guess everybody else is out playing in the snow instead of being here at church. But let me ask you a question. Have you guys ever been jealous? You guys been jealous? Gavin, you been jealous? You guys been jealous? Surely you guys have been jealous. Everyone's been jealous from time to time. Maybe you're jealous of something your friends might have got for Christmas or their birthday. Or, or you're jealous of an achievement that they might, might have gotten that may, maybe is a little harder for you to do. But we've all been jealous. And our Bible story today is about a boy named Joseph. Joseph. Have you guys heard that name before in the Bible? Now, it's not the Joseph like Jesus' dad, Joseph. This is a totally different Joseph. And we're going to learn how jealousy can make us do some not-so-nice things. But Joseph, he was part of a big family. And he had a dad named Jacob. And Jacob had 12 sons. 12 sons. You guys want to be a part of a family that has 12 boys or 12 girls in it? No, probably not, would you? It wouldn't be too much fun. But J- Joseph was the youngest of the 12 boys. But he was Jacob's favorite son. It was his favorite son. So you know that probably made the other brothers pretty mad and jealous at times. And in fact, Jacob would always show favoritism to Joseph. And, in, and he made Joseph this brand new coat with all these beautiful colors all over him, and they and he gave it to Joseph, and Joseph's brothers got really, really angry and jealous, and so they decided, you know what, we got to get rid of Joseph. We got to get rid of him and get him out of here. So the brothers were out tending their sheep, and Joseph's dad said, you know what, Jacob, go, ch- Joseph, go check on your brothers and see that everything's going okay. So Joseph puts on his brand new coat, and he heads out into the desert to go find his brothers. And as he starts getting closer to his brothers, his brothers see him coming, and they're like, all right, this is our chance to get rid of our brother. We are going to harm him, and in fact, we are going to kill our own brother. Can you believe that? They're going to kill their own brother. But the oldest brother named Reuben heard of the plan, and he said, you know what, let's not do that. Let's just throw him in this pit and leave him there to die. But... The reason Reuben said that was because he had a plan. He decided when we throw him in the pit and we go home, I'm going to sneak back out and I will save Joseph and take him back to father. So Joseph gets to his brothers and they throw him in this pit. They rip off his coat and throw him into the pit. And you know what they did then? They sat down to eat. So they sit down and they're eating lunch while Joseph's down in this pit with no food and no water. And as they're eating, a group of merchants come over to where they're at. And they decide, you know what? 
let's take Joseph out of the pit and let's sell him and he'll be off to Egypt and we'll never have to see or hear of Joseph ever again. So they take him out of the pit and they sell Joseph for 20 pieces of silver and Joseph goes off and becomes a slave in Egypt. So the brothers are like, okay, now what are we going to do? What are we going to tell father? And he takes, they take this coat and some goat's blood and they put it all over Joseph's new coat and, tell, and give it to his father. And his father starts wailing and crying and said, that's my son's coat. He must have been attacked by wild animals. So what a terrible thing for Joseph's brothers to do to him all because they were jealous. And so we have to learn to safeguard ourselves from being jealous and, and know that we should always be satisfied with all the things that God has provided in our lives. Now, I'm going to tell you this too. That is not the end of Joseph's story. Joseph eventually is reunited with his dad and his brothers, but we're going to hear about that later. In fact, we are going to learn about Joseph's journey for the next four weeks at M&M. And, and we'll learn how Joseph was being watched over by God the entire time. So I hope you guys will join us on Wednesday nights and hear more about Joseph's journey. Okay? You guys pray with me? Let's pray. Father, you love all your children and you want the very best for them. Help us to guard against feelings of jealousy that might come into our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's kids shout it out. Amen. Beloved God, how very good it is to be together in your house of worship. For we know that we have experienced your love and felt the warmth of your face throughout the days in this past week. We have seen you in the love of our family and friends, in the work that we do in our jobs and vocations each and every day. We have seen your grace extended to us by others when we have made mistakes and received second and third and fourth chances. Though we see you and you are present with us every day, something wonderful happens when we come to worship. In the singing of the songs, the breaking of the bread, the reading of the scriptures and the proclamation of the word, you are present here, O God, in ways that you are not otherwise. And so we pray that having been in worship this morning, we might be filled in new and wonderful ways. Set your peace and blessing upon us so that we might be inspired to live better and more Christ-like lives. Bless us with your peace so that we might have calm and still hearts to know that you are near that we might speak your words of love to all those who need to hear it in our lives. Fill us and move us, O oh God, for it is our desire to be better and more faithful people. And while this is our desire, we confess that we are not always at our best, that there have been times when we have sinned against you and sinned against our neighbors. For though we are called not to judge each other, there are times when we do. That we're called not to stereotype those who are your children, we do. Though we're called to work on our own issues and our own faults to become better people of faith, we find it so very easy to point out the mistakes and sins of others. So help us, O oh loving God, to live more faithful lives. Help us to be more loving and kind. And remind us that we're called to work on our own life of faith, so that, you, so that we might be the kind of people that you would have us to be. We offer our lives in this prayer to you, O loving God, knowing that you hear us and you bless us and answer us. 
For we pray these things in the name of Jesus the Christ, and we join our voices together now by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Acts, chapter 17, verses 22 through 28. Then Paul stood in front of the Areopagus and said, Athenians, I see how extremely religious you are in every way. For as I went through the city and looked carefully at the objects of your worship, I found amongst you an altar with the inscription, To an unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, he who is Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in shrines made by human hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mortals life and breath and all things. From one ancestor he made all nations to inhabit the whole earth, and he allotted the times of their existence and the boundaries of the places where they would live so that they would search for God and perhaps grope for him and find him, though indeed he is not far from us, from each one of us. For in him we will live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we too are his offspring. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We're continuing today with our Big Questions sermon series. We are in this series. We are here in week two because I ask you all to help me think about questions that we might like to ask God. Stuff that you've been mulling over, things that kind of bug you, things that keep you up at night. Questions of life and faith. Deep, massive things that we struggle with way down deep. And so if you were here in the last couple Sundays of December, I ask you all to submit your questions. And we received all kinds of questions about a whole host of things. Questions like, what happens when we die? And what happens to our loved ones when they die? Questions about relationships. And what do we do whenever our marriages and best relationships begin to fall, fall apart? Questions about grace and salvation and forgiveness. Questions about why bad things happen to good people and why some people seem to suffer for such a long time. Great questions that all of us struggle with. And so I've collected them all and kind of gathered them together and kind of placed the themes together to kind of put together a sermon series for us. And so we're trying to make the best of them and trying to find answers for them for our own lives. And my hope is that after you've been to church, you will take what I have to say and you will go home and you will work on your own answer and how you might answer these questions about God and life. We're called to deepen our faith by mulling things over, by thinking and digging deep into God's love. And so last week, if you were here on week one, we heard the assurance in the scriptures that we will see our loved ones again after we die. That we don't know the details, like we're not quite sure how it's all going to work out, but the scriptures give us the faith and the assurance that we will. And so that's what we believe. This week we have a whole new set of questions. And so in our huge 
massive stack of note cards, we received a bunch of questions all about finding God's presence. How do we know that God is here? How can we experience God? How can we hear God speaking to us and leading to us today? We received a whole bunch of note cards all with this, all with this same theme. So the question for us today is this. In the midst of all the noise and busyness, how can we feel God's presence? How can we feel God's presence today in the midst of everything that happens in our life? That's our question. It's a great question. Because certainly there are days where it feels like maybe God is out to lunch. Maybe God has forgotten all about us. Maybe God's like driven down the road and gone to the next house and like left us behind. Not every day is the most holy and powerful and amazing day of our spiritual lives. In fact, maybe you remember that story in the scriptures. There was a time when Peter, James, and John had gone up this high mountain with Jesus. And of all the places that you might experience God's love, it has to be like on top of a mountain, right? And so while they're there, they have this amazing spiritual experience. And it is so powerful and so amazing that Peter wants to stay on top of the mountain. He pleads with Jesus and saying, can we like build some kind of shrine that we can come back and worship there often? But Jesus makes them come down the mountain and get on with the rest of their lives. And that happens. You may find yourself at a place sometimes where you've never been closer to God, where it is like the breath under your nose, like, like you are walking on cloud nine, but we don't stay there. We come down the mountain, so to speak. We go back to work. We have meetings. We have deadlines. We have events. There's homework to do, mortgages to pay, things that need our attention, people that need us. Sometimes it seems like those mountaintop experiences of worship or at a concert or in prayer, it seems like when we come down from those places, the residue of that amazing experience washes away in the blink of an eye. And so what do we do? How do we feel God's presence on ordinary days? On days like today, that's just a day. That's the question. Now, if someone were to ask you, how do you know that God is near? My, my guess is that most of us would, would, would kind of give like the stock and kind of standard answer and like the most obvious and wonderful of things. Like the very same things that like Psalm 8 talks about. That, that old psalm that says, O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Look at When I look at the heavens, I see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you've established. Who are human beings that you are mindful of them? Mortals that you love us. The psalmist looks at the stars on like a night sky and says, There is God in the bright and the sunshine, in the sunsets, in nature, in the stars, in heaven. That's the work of God's fingers. I've mentioned before that one of my favorite things to do when I'm riding in airplanes is take pictures outside the window and then text them to my family saying, You've got to check out these 75 photos I've just taken from this last flight because it's so beautiful seeing the clouds and the earth go by at like 500 miles an hour. But I also love driving home from church on late summer nights when the sun is setting like at 8.30 or 9, and you can see the sun going down over the tall cornfields as they are blowing in the wind. You can almost hear them rustling. 
Psalm 8 is all about finding God in nature all around us. And if we were writing down our old psalm, we, we would even say that, you know, we see God in like newborn babies and weddings and when people are in love. We, we even see God when we stand at the ocean and like the sand gets stuck to our feet so much that when we come back to the Midwest and come back to Iowa, the bottom of our suitcase is full of sand and it warms our heart because we think, man, at that place and in, 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 in that beach, God was there. And it's amazing. And we feel like the disciples on top of that big, huge mountain, for God is there. But the thing about that is that all those things are wonderful and good and certainly the marks of God's hand. But we always leave those places behind. I mean, unless it's the river, the beach is a long way from here. And sunsets always go and come again, but, but go and, and, and the stars always fade to sun. And so... All those experiences are good, but it's like we leave them behind, and with it, we leave God behind. It's harder to find God in the more difficult parts of life. And so this question is probably asked, where do we find God when life is awful? When it's messy, it seems like God has gone to somebody else's sunset and like somebody else's cornfield. And we're left here at home not on some mountaintop, but with just difficult things around us. Where is God there? Well, let me tell you. In the scriptures, we know that as Christians, we see God in Jesus Christ. He is the lens through which we come to know and love God. In fact, we, in fact, we just celebrated Christmas just a few weeks ago, and, and with that, we celebrated that God came to be just like us in human form. And so we see God in human form in Jesus Christ. And this is good news because if you think about trying to have some kind of relationship with the God who created the stars and, and the sunsets and everything around us, that's kind of hard to wrap your mind around. But we can read the scriptures and we can see how Jesus lived and that is what God is like. And so for me, on hard days, I believe that we see God through people living like Jesus. Through people putting the life of Christ into practice. Seeing God through the actions of others living the way Jesus lived. Because we know that Jesus wasn't just reserved for good times and sunsets and new babies, but Jesus showed up all the time. He was there with that woman who had gone to the well at the hottest part of the day. When everybody else had gone home, it was too hot to be standing at that well, but the woman was there. And she not only went there at the hottest part of the day, because she went because she was embarrassed about who she was, and the choices that she had made. And she knew that by going alone, all the people who had gossiped about her, people who had stared at her and said awful things about her, all those folks would have gone home and she would find that well by herself. But in that story, Jesus meets her at the well. And he loves her for who she is. He was there with that woman who was caught in adultery and all the religious leaders were about to stone her, but instead he offered her grace 
and forgiveness. And he was there on that day when his best friend Lazarus had died and life could not get worse. Jesus was there. In fact, if you even just like peruse the scriptures, it seems that Jesus always shows up in the struggles, in the, in the shadows, in like the hard times of life. When, when, when people needed him the most, he did his best work there. And that's it for us. We see God through the moving of people's lives when they live how Jesus lived. And so whenever you see someone choosing to act out of love instead of anger and hate, that's Christ in action. When you see somebody offering compassion and peace by showing up to sit with us when the answers are hard and the road ahead seems windy and rocky and troubling, just by showing up to say that you aren't alone, that's Jesus sitting with us. By somebody living a life of sacrifice and giving up things that they would want to have in their own life for the benefit of others, that's the way Jesus lived. When you see people offering hope and acceptance and you hear words of grace and peace, that's where God lives. And that's how we share the love of God. Because God is the one in which we live and move and have our being and nothing can take that away. And that's the good news. Because it's simple to see God in sunsets and mountains and growing fields but it's much harder. You have to have more faith to find the presence of God when life is difficult. But that's when God does his best work. In fact, God is never closer than when life is hard. Moving, moving through those who love us and bless us and care for us. Moving through people just like us. That's the good news that we reflect and share the presence of and love of God. Let us pray. Oh, loving God, we give you thanks for your grace and peace and your assurance that comes to us in the presence of our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. We know that in him you took on human flesh. You came to look just like us with all of our joys and sorrows, our sins and our faults, all the unique and wonderful things about us. Jesus looks at us with love and takes us in as we are. We pray, O oh God, that your spirit may bless us so that we can reflect his love each and every day in everything that we do. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message of hope from First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ here in Burlington, Iowa. We are located at 1221 Park Avenue on the south side of town in between the airport and Dankwart Park. If you're looking for a new church home or searching for something beyond yourself, we hope you will join us for worship this Sunday morning. We offer two styles of worship each Sunday. Our traditional service is at 8.45 a.m., featuring beloved hymns of the faith. Our contemporary service 
is at 10.45 a.m. and is led by our amazing band. In both services, you'll hear a sermon similar to the one you listen to today on the radio. Be welcomed at the Lord's table for communion and join with us in prayer and praise. During the summer, Children's Church is offered at our 10.45 service. There's no better way to begin our week in worship, so we hope you will join us here at First Christian Church.
which to take the soul that is so rightfully mine.